Welcoming you to the Prairie Doc Radio Program. Rick Holm, our hairless Prairie Doc, is yep. here in the studio, ready to answer any questions you might have of a medical nature. Dr. Holmes' specialty is internal medicine. He's worked with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and has served as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning, Dr. Holm. Good morning, Joan Hogan. You you may think you're I think you're looking good, hairless, and I well, think part of it is the the uh, tan too. I think oh, if you were totally well, white and hairless, you might it, look a little scarier. Story. But yeah. the tan really helps. Ah, you're looking thank good. Thank you for that. Yeah. I'll yeah. bet Joni's okay with it too. She's she yeah. hasn't complained. Well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> For those who don't know, our Dr. Holm has been undergoing chemotherapy, and it just has really taken away his hair. It really has. Yes. But the good news is it's taken away or reduced greatly the, the single lesion in the in the liver. So We the, were so happy to hear that news, oh. I'll tell you. That was just phenomenal. Well, I mean, it gives me another window maybe of opportunity that I can be cured or at least, you know, put a, uh, that cancer can be Extend your life. What does that mean? I mean, has it been arrested? Is it starting to reverse now? It hasn't gotten any worse or what? So the, the, the whole story is that, you know, there's two major kinds of chemo that you can go after for pancreatic cancer. One of them was the triple antibiotic that has the 5-FU in it, which is really mean. And I did that first thing when I was diagnosed in 2016. And then they did the radiation. And then they did the Whipple. Okay, and then then we waited to see if it came back, and we had a CAT scan. It was clear. CAT scan. It was clear. CAT scan. It, there's a metastatic lesion in the liver. So that was metastatic pancreas cancer. Okay, that's that's a little scary. I mean, you know, you it, it didn't look good, and um, so <clears throat> they said, well, we'll try the other chemo. But my suspicion was that if the first chemo, which was their best shot, didn't work, then the second shot's not going to work either, and I'm going to be filled with sp- spread. They said they only see one lesion. It was on the PET scan uh, done at the Mayo. They, they have an MRI PET scan, which is five times more sensitive, apparently, than the, cat, the pet cat scan, right? So there was only one lesion. Okay, well, we'll see if the new chemo works. Well, that was the question. Is it going to work or not? And I thought it was like a shot in the dark, but it worked. And the MRI showed that it reduced the lesion from an apricot size to, you know, a ping pong ball size. And the, the, the red-orange color that showed activity uh, turned to basically gray. And so it, it worked. pretty much turned it off. I don't know that it's completely gone there, and they don't expect that it will completely kill that big lesion, but they think it would kill all of the little tiny spread, and then they'll go resect the liver lesion. So they can remove it? They can remove it, and they will. And the plan is six more doses of chemo, which is kind of causes a fair amount of peripheral neuropathy. I mean, my, my feet are turning into, you know, concrete kind of a feeling, and, and I'm losing hearing and I can hear ringing and I have to ask what you know what did you say and there's a lot of the neuropathies that are coming on with it and I'm reluctant to see what's going to happen but at the same time I'd rather have concrete feet and be alive than you know really good feet and dead you know what I mean I'm so I'm taking the chemo and I'll just report the the side effects and then the oncologist will decide what to do and then after five more doses it will be September, and my book comes out, and then 
we have the liver resection, and then we go from there. All good from there. Say, when your book comes out in September, will you be part of the uh, South Dakota Book Fair? Festival. Festival. I knew I'd have the term wrong. Because that festival will be held in Brookings, South Dakota. We're very excited about that. I am giving a talk that that, uh, Friday afternoon at 3, and the talk is entitled uh, 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 Fearing Death is Bad for Your Health. (laughs) and we're going to talk about fearing death and Mm. you know i'm going to prepare a talk that i'm going to give in september for the american college physicians in south dakota meeting out in the hills and i'm going to you know prepare a number of talks for ollie and they're going to be sort of in the same realm of the facing your dying the dying process uh, and that's a lot of what I've written about in that book that's coming out. And, I, and I'm excited about the book. I'd like to talk about the book if you want to Well, we could. I, my thought is, um, through your entire life, although you've been a physician, I think your main role in life has been education. Here is a man facing a really tough cancer, and all he can think about is how to share information with others. It is amazing. You are an well, educator. Uh, you right. always want to share whatever you can to help other people's life be a little better, which is really nice. The one thing you mentioned before we go to our break, you said the first chemo, I, I try not to laugh out loud, but it's called 5-F-U. Well, that means five plural years. <laughs> yeah, you so. know what we're thinking. 5-F-U. Well, it means F-U, 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 F-U. That's what it means. I can tell you personally. Oh, that's, that's how, how you felt with it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oof. So, so much for the 5-F-U chemo. That's hard chemo. That's pretty tough chemo. It sounds terrible. This is a lot better chemo. Oh, and if there is a better chemo, you have it, and you're willing to share any way I'll, you can help other people I want to give this. you one quick story. Okay. So, so, we're doing that show. You know, you... Help me get started with, with uh, uh, SDSU uh, making the, our the television, television show. show you're doing right. right. You know, I would not have that show if it weren't for you. John oh Holden. yeah, you needed me. Okay, that's true. <laughs> so uh, and um, in early part of it, uh, the I think it was the second show. They wanted to have me to say something, and so the first, the first show I did something ad lib. The second show I had it written out. And I wrote out a, you know, maybe uh, two-minute, you know, blurb that was pertinent to the topic. Uh, And it was sort of an Andy Rooney at the end of the show. And you said, aha, this is going to be something that you're going to be doing. I can see you finally have (laughs) an opportunity for which something for which to write and you're going to do it and it's going to work for you and it has and it has and And the book has been a consequence of that and now you had one book come out and now you've got a second book not in an editorial vein the second book is is written differently 12 chapters (laughs) yeah well i'm excited for it and i'm excited for its release which will be uh right around september september 21st i think somewhere in that 22nd 21st 22nd is the book festival and and uh that's such a really looking forward thing that to we're that. having that in brookings yep. and uh, it'll be great know, so okay we're going to take a break give us a call if you have any questions of dr home when he gets back he's going to talk a little bit more about his book and we'll be back right after these words Hey, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. I'm Joan Hogan, and with me in the studio is our Prairie Doc, Dr. Rick Holm. Dr. Holm has been talking about his uh, 
great success in overcoming cancer and doing his best to overcome it. But during this time, he's also been very busy trying to complete a book he's been working on. And the book will have its grand opening, or that's not the right word for book. Well, what whatever is it? it is, a release. Re- release. The release will be in September. And you said you wanted to talk a little bit more about that book. Right. Uh, there are 12 chapters. The first chapter is about how to stay well and live long. Of course, who am I to say that because I've, I've developed cancer? But I think that's what happens. It, you can't guarantee anything. But I think there's three components that make you live long. One is, is uh, regular exercise. And it really, you get the most bang for your buck for one mile a day um, uh, every day. So seven miles a day will give you something like a 31% reduction in the death rate. Three miles a day is 39%. So most of it's that one mile. Second part is to eat less, you know, lower calories. And the third part is to be communicative, to, to, to sense the spirit in your, your fellow humans. Um, and then there's chapter two that talks about drugs that don't work, that do work, pharmaceuticals uh, involvement, the, the supplements, the third chapter is about boomers, the fourth is about ethics, the fifth is about dementia, uh, and drugs that you can use and or the things to do to prevent dementia. Uh, caregiver support is five and six, and there's a discussion about advanced directives, there's a discussion about suffering, uh, and it moves into uh, what happens when the person who you're providing care for is dying and how to help yourself through that help to help your how to help the person who's dying and then the last chapter is on dying facing your own death from the beginning to the end right from the beginning to okay. the end okay well it'll be a it'll be a well received book i know that i i know most of the people listening are anxious for that book to come out we're all anxious it'll, to read it we're going to um, it it in because of this cancer issue and the time that it takes to try to push it through uh, the New York typical way of, of anything uh, doing, uh, I have uh, who, something. Sorry. Somebody's ringing. Oh my goodness, she <laughs> won't stop. It's my daughter. She's traveling, and she was excited because she was at Arches National Monument and ran into Mitt Romney and his wife walking their three grandchildren oh, wow. and it, she said it's a really tough walk and Mitt isn't a young guy you yeah know, no he's I not I don't know <laughs> he's probably in his 60s or he could be in well, his I, 70s I don't know I think he's but in his she, 60s. oh here she goes <laughs> um she keeps going so but anyway <laughs> they met that's that's a different topic but my phone keeps dinging along with my dear Erin yeah. and her trips so I interrupted you but you're talking about I can't remember I know I know we really catch up. <laughs> sorry folks what this was is it, cruel Bob? you were talking about um Thank your God. book Bob was listening we um, know you were and the book. release of your book oh yes. yeah well anyway my my point is it's coming out it's it's going to be a, a, a fun to be involved with that. We're going to try to promote the the, the heck out of it. And uh, there it is. But, you know, we should talk about tomorrow night's TV show. We can. And you know what? Before we get to it, can we talk about two things that came up? Sure. In the news recently. The first thing is this Thai soccer team. Everyone has been watching these young boys. Thank God they all got out. The question that came up is... When they were rescued from from the cave, why was there a need for quarantine following the rescue? I mean, they made sure no one came near them. Their family can't touch them. You're in a cave for 10 days. You're rescued or 17 days. Why quarantine? Could you answer that? Well, I think partly because you don't know what uh, fungus 
pneumonia they may all be exposed to. Uh, another is the uh, the emotional uh, health of everybody. Another is the nutritional health of everybody. But the quarantine had to do with the potential for infection. Now, I think if, you know, let me give you an example. A Russian student who works for, with us uh, at our radio, sh our TV production thing, fell and broke her pelvis when she was a little girl in Russia, and she was three months in the hospital bedridden. Now, it was a pelvic fracture, and the treatment we have for that is early ambulation because of all the danger of laying still and not moving. When you're in a different country, they're in a different level of understanding about what is good for you and what isn't. And it may well be the doctors there and the, you get to be control freak and you can control everything. One of the things you're gonna say is, okay, before we let go of these kids and before there's any liability and before there's any, you know, we wanna make sure that they're stable emotionally, they're stable f physically, and, and they are not, um, and if they're immunocompromised by this malnutrition and the, and the severe emotional stress that they, they have, uh, they're not gonna get exposed to any other infection. So I'm a control freak doctor in the and old days. And that's what I'm gonna do. Or, and that's what yeah. I'm gonna do. And you know what, uh, the new days, we don't have any control anymore. Liability <laughs> <You laughs> has taken away, t moved it into a, um, protecting ourselves from the liability of the of the pay, you know the yeah. risk of of a lawsuit so it's changed the atmosphere of things here so the quarantine may be needed but possibly it's more of a cultural thing too that, yeah. de that and, determine and, and, the quarantine and per you know and it might be over overkill but at the other other hand of it it may well be you know the very safe thing to do to make sure they're emotionally okay if they go home and yeah. somebody commits suicide or if that they go home and somebody <laughs> falls yeah. because they are malnourished or whatever. So they, they're just taking the extra okay. line of safety and I think it's not wrong. Bob, all you right. were gonna. Rabies. Rabies. Right, there's. All rabies from bats. Oh. Yeah, I think, you know, the I other thought issue. Of that. Oh yeah, the rabies bats issue is. Bats would be in a cave, of course. The rabies issue is another one. And in fact, that's probably the major reason that they're quarantining huh. them. Well, good. Well, it's just so nice to know they're safe. The second good, thing is a question point. I have. Right. When you mentioned your book and the different chapters and you said one on dementia, I have a good friend who called me and let me know her husband was just diagnosed with dementia. He's only in his 60s. Both his parents had Alzheimer's. He's, he's diagnosed with Alzheimer's, I'm sorry. Or as much, I know you can't really firmly diagnose right. Alzheimer's, but she said for two years we have known it. We went to two different neurologists in Sioux Falls, and they both said, no, it's not that. But she said, I kept watching, and different things happened. He was mm -hmm. falling. And finally, this year, after two years, they went to a third neurologist, and she confirmed that it definitely is Alzheimer's or dementia. Right. Why would it take that long? Is it that difficult to diagnose Alzheimer's or a form of dementia? No, I, I should have you read my chapter on dementia and you can share it with your oh, friends. Okay, that it, would answer it. It really talks about how to, okay. how to make the diagnosis and yeah. what you need to do. And of course, it's a diagnosis of exclusion. You know, you do the CAT okay. scan or the MRI and it's normal. Uh, you do a lumbar puncture and it's normal. You do a B12 level to make sure that's not B12 deficiency. 
it's normal. You do a thyroid screening, and it's normal, and that's the workup. And therefore, there's nothing to do. Therefore, really. we can't diagnose it. Even you, if you, you diagnose it, it's the diagnosis of exclusion. I remember okay. in the old days, uh, I would make an early diagnosis of Parkinson's disease in a patient. You know, you can see the rigidity, you can see the tremor, you can see the personality, the va visual changes, the, the gait changes. Um, and so uh, you make the, you, you say to the patient and his wife, I mean, I just remember this crystal clear in my mind. This could be Parkinson's disease. I'm going to send you to the neurologist. And they went, oh, my gosh, we're devastated. Off to the neurologist. The neurologist said, no, no. this is not Parkinson's disease. And so the neurologist sends them back, and they go, you dirty, rotten pup. Why you could scared you, the daylights you scared out of daylights us, right? out of yeah. And over in the ensuing two years, you know, the Parkinson progresses until it's obvious, and then they go to the neurologist and said, yes, you have Parkinson's disease. There's, there's Parkinson's drugs that we should and could start, and they do. And the early hope was that we had <clears throat> the early hope was that we had a drug that we could do to prevent Parkinson's from progressing. Well, it didn't. Okay. It wasn't effective. Didn't make any difference. In fact, the drugs that we do have for Parkinson's disease are an off and on thing. There's a borrow from Peter to pay Paul. It's really not very good. They're not consistent. And you know what? It doesn't. I came to the point as a later in my uh, clinical experience to look at the scenario and say. Well, there could be some neurologic thing going on. We'll just keep an eye on that. We don't need to do anything. But by the way, I'm going to check your B12, your thyroid, and, you know, I'm going to do an MRI. But, you know. But it's just. We we'll just right. want you to encourage you to keep walking and exercising and exercise your memory. And the best way to exercise your memory is a conversation. Talk with people. Talk right. with people. Okay. Carry on a conversation. That's better than any puzzles. You know, the nuances and the subtle challenge of a conversation is a wonderful exercise of your brain. And then later on, you make the diagnosis, and they, and they know it. You know, they can they feel it's it deteriorating. Okay. So you make, it's the same story with Alzheimer's yeah. disease. Um, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, the treatment that we have does not prevent the deterioration that, uh, and the speed of the deterioration. The only thing we have is it, it's sort of like you're sliding down a hill. You start them on one of these, Parkin, uh, these Alzheimer's memory drugs, and it, likes, it pushes them up the hill another 10 feet, and then they're still and going they're still down, sliding the, down. They're still okay. sliding down the hill. I mean, yeah. All it does is it raises you up for a while, mm -hmm. and that's why you know, this, yeah. these very expensive drugs are something that you consider for a while, and then you, you know... Doesn't Once you reach okay. a certain level, what are you doing? Well, that makes more sense. Hey, we're doing to take a break. We will talk about our uh, your TV program tomorrow night when we return. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. Dr. Rick Holm is here ready to answer any questions that you might have. We've discussed a couple of topics. Bob and we had a do question. want to mention, oh, all right, Bob, give us your question. Well, my Ooh. question is just, do you think that when you get older, as we are all aging, except for Joan, of course, of yeah. course. <laughs> you fear death less? I mean, yeah. I think Absolutely you bury true. so many of your friends and relatives, <laughs> you come to accept the fact that it's one of the certainties in life and I'm not so afraid of it anymore. You know, I've lived, uh, if you think about it, I'm almost 70. People live to be 80 to 90 unless they die early from cancer or accidents or heart attacks. Uh, and then in 80 to 90, somewhere in there, you know, generally people die. Off in South Dakota, 
maybe you live 90 to 100. <laughs> you change they that to 90. They seem to live a lot longer They live here, long here. Right? Uh, but if you think about it, I've lived seven-eighths of my life. I don't feel like I've lost. Uh, if I died tomorrow, I've lived seven-eighths. I've done pretty darn well. Yeah. And I've had a great life. So, you know, I'm not really afraid that I've missed out on anything. When I was 30, I had blood in my urine. I thought that, uh, and it was, it turned out to be jogger's hematuria. But I had an extensive workup, and one of the workup doctors said to me, you know, and don't worry, it just, this might be minimal change disease, which means that it'll be seven or eight years before your kidneys quit, you know, and then you have a prognosis of another 10 years. So this, you know, you could live another 20 years. Scared the daylights out. When you're 30, 20 years is not very much and actually i prayed i just i i it was a come to jesus meeting for me and i (laughs) sought into my heart and said dear lord just give me a chance to live to be 50. i (laughs) swear that's all i want i want to live to be 50. please so when i hit 50 i said dear lord Let's continue on with this I prayer. I want to just live to be 70. You know, I'm almost there. So there, you, I've had you got my, a new prayer. I've Keep had a prayer. But <laughs> Go I, for my, 80. My point is, when you're young, you, you think, you know, you think you're going to live forever, and you panic at the thought of death. And when you get to be in this age, some people say, I've lived a pretty good life, and I'm not afraid. Yep. And when the people get into their 80s or 90s, Usually, they're not afraid of dying. So all three of us together are in about the same age range. Can I ask you you (laughs) an intimate question? Um, Did you get older faster than you thought you were going to? I mean, did your life, looking back retrospectively now, does it seem like it's really crept up on you? It's like, wow, I'm almost 70. I'm almost 63. I'm I'm almost 45. Almost there. 49. Yeah. It was a uh, shock, wasn't it? I think it went really fast. It happens quickly. You know, it was, uh, I think it was, I was so busy that when you're busy, your day goes by so quickly. You know, if you're not busy, then it's a horrible, boring experience. Well, it wasn't a horrible, boring experience. It was this fabulous experience. And I think back on my life, I think I go immediately to family and work. You know, I think of my family time and I think of my work time, you know, simultaneously. And um, I don't know that I could have had a better job. I mean, I just I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I can't think of uh, we could have done, uh, you know, uh, had more fun as a family. So, you know, I just I feel satisfied. I'm sure that, you know, people think about their lives. Some people feel satisfied. Some people don't. I, I think most of us feel like we wouldn't do it different. I think most everybody feels that. Uh, but feeling satisfied, Rick, you still look at your age and think, how did that happen? It went by. In my mind, I'm still 20, uh-huh. maybe 30. I'll accept 30. But really, how could I be this age? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense, does do it? Do you really feel that way? Because I feel I that way, too. And I, I think yeah. I'm like I the only one. I 20, 25, 30 <laughs> mentally. Thank you. But physically, you're a little bit older God than that. God bless you. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> how's your vision these days? <laughs> It's very questionable oh, man. now. Oh, well. So I think, I do think, though, that um, that young people don't realize that older people are okay with dying. And our young chil- our children grasp on keeping old people alive, and they drag them through hell when really 
We don't want to be dragged. We don't no. want to be dragged. No. And one one of the things that we've done made great advances in 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 uh, recent health uh, scenarios is in coronary artery disease and heart disease. And it used to be that people would die of heart disease, and it would be a really merciful death. You know, so you know you wake up dead the next morning, right? Um, there's a cardiac event. You know, you're going along, and then you know happily, all of a sudden, you're gone. Um, Whereas you, if you can prevent that from happening, then what happens is you get Alzheimer's disease and you live on and you get Alzheimer's and then people are going, you know, it, it's time for dad to go. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, he's not there. He's hung on long enough. And, you know, of course, then they won't let, they won't hold back on the antibiotic or they won't hold back on the, C, in the cardiac uh, resuscitation or they'll keep them on a dialysis machine and dement it at the same time. I mean, I just watch people drag their families through awful Well, let's hope that attitude is changing somewhat. And Make tomorrow an night, you're going to have, to take home you're going to have a really good program tomorrow night. It, it already aired this past April. Many people were traveling in April, may not have caught it. And it was Dr. Holm had a program on cardiology, and he had Dr. Michael Hibbard, who was a cardiologist in Sioux Falls. He's and one of my favorite guests. It was such a good show. You know, I re-watched the show. One. I watched it again <laughs> yesterday just to, you know, just to catch up on it and see what you covered. He is such an enjoyable guy. Isn't, isn't he? He, he really is. So anything you want to know about heart issues, my goodness, tune in tomorrow night. Even if you saw it the first time, that guy's likable. He's a he good guy. He really is good. Michael yeah. Hibbard who is a cardiologist in Sioux Falls. They talked about congenital heart disease. They explained coronary disease. They talked about what can be done for heart failure. You had to love his answer. His first was do nothing. Second was get healthy. I love that. Just playing get healthy. It's the best thing you can do for heart failure. Yeah. I love that just, answer. Just I thought that was really good. Do the do the healthy yeah. things that you know would be the you know, healthy lifestyles right. really make sense. Will make a difference for your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Doctor Holm, we didn't take our third break because we just kinda talked through it. We but did. we have probably another minute or two. Did you want to say anything more about Doctor Hibbard or the program? No, great fun and a wonderful show tomorrow. Don't miss it. Um I'm just so excited about this book you know and um uh but you know if if i'm going to send you uh, a copy of the chapter on dementia for your friend because oh, i think that's i think they would make thing. her feel good yeah help her out okay well we're all excited about the book it'll come out september 22nd i think yes okay on that At, note you want to go to the book festival and brookings plan on it the It'll be well advertised. 21st, something 21st and 22nd, I yeah, think. something like that. But it's in September. So we do hope all of you have enjoyed our Prairie Dac radio program. And we'll listen again for Prairie Dac, brought to you by the Avira Medical Group Brookings. Remember, you can hear and see more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org. Thanks, Rick. That's all till next week. Well, thank you, Joan. And thanks, Bob, and for the good question about dying. And I, mean, I feel so much happier now that we've talked about death. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> So stay, thank you. Stay healthy out there, people.